Hello, and welcome back to 19 Hits the Dragon, the tabletop RPG discussion and interview podcast. I'm your host and world's okayest game master, Mike Daniel. Um, joining me today, very special guest, we have with us the uh, multifaceted Carrie Smith, uh, GM of the Crossroads Games. Carrie, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing great. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for, for joining us here. Thanks for having um, me. At- yeah, absolutely. Very excited to uh, to chat today. And um, I've been following um, Crossroads, uh, the Deadlands Crossroads for a little bit here, kind of about halfway through uh, the series as uh, as of recording. And I know by the time this airs, you've got other stuff airing as well. But why don't you tell uh, me and tell our, our listeners a little bit about, uh, about who you are? Uh, yeah, I am Carrie Smith. Uh, she, her pronouns. I I have a 14 episode Deadlands Across Road series um, available on my YouTube channel right now, along with um, Call of Cthulhu: The Glass Chronicles. Uh, I am I am a storyteller. That's that's how I kind of label myself instead of GM DM. Mm. I'm I am a storyteller. I love telling stories with wonderful tables. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, when I was talking with the guys from Tabletop Journeys uh, last season as well, that was a, a term that came up a lot as storyteller in place of GM or, or DM. Sometimes, sometimes folks use like narrator, but I think storyteller is is really great. Um, it uh, it kind of takes away from the like the master title of the game, right? Like, oh, I'm the game master, dungeon master. I'm the one running the game. But if you're the storyteller, then yeah, everybody's kind of telling the story along together right you're just the one guiding it along yeah it's more collaborative absolutely absolutely and uh yeah love love uh, the collaborative aspect of tabletop role-playing games um speaking of collaborative projects i mean cross the crossroads games are hugely collaborative i know the deadland series had what like 20 something people that ended up joining it throughout the episodes right so yeah deadlands the crossroads had 27 total players incredible how do you how do you even like begin to prepare for something like that with that many people joining you throughout the course of that many episodes and um we're recording this before class chronicle has, has aired so i'm you know gonna assume that it's something similar to that but like what's what <laughs> how do you even get started with like trying to to you know weave a story like that well so i am i have completed filming glass chronicles right now like it's already done okay and i've started mm-hmm. my third project which is um outbreak undead death toll and all three of these are uh, they have they have a large cast. Each of them do. I mean, Deadlands the Crossroads mm-hmm. has 27 players. Um, the Glass Chronicles has 15. And Outbreak Undead, I don't actually have a total yet because we're still in sort of the casting stage for that. But um, okay. a lot, a lot of players <laughs> are in there. A lot of people, yeah. <laughs> um, and honestly, each one of them, I have gone about a different way. Starting with... Deadlands Across Roads, that just popped up when I was like, oh, I want to run this game. I wonder who will be interested. Mm-hmm. And I posted okay. it on Twitter and I didn't say no to anyone. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that, that, that makes sense that you yeah. got 27 people jumping on board there. Yeah. Right? So it, it became <laughs> a it became a task of, okay, I have 27 people. How am I going to weave these stories together? So it turned into it is really easy to die in savage worlds it is Mm, mm, it's not like dungeons and dragons where you have you know a hit point pool of 60 or or however that goes it is right you you take a few wounds and you're dead it's very Mm, mm -hmm. realistic in that aspect so i was like okay it's easy to die we will have an exit on death feature so when you die you leave the show you don't know what happens after that Mm -hmm. so that was exit on death was kind of a um a way out for me where mm-hmm. I, I was like mm-hmm. okay i can have 27 players and then we'll whittle them down to the finale you know 
<laughs> just so, gotta fill, kill a few characters along. Yeah, the way. just have to kill a few, just a few. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, with with Deadlands: The Crossroads, it was more of figuring out how to disperse them throughout the series itself, and death was a very easy answer for a lot of that. Yes, I, sometimes the uh, the game itself will provide the uh, the answers for you. If it's easy mm-hmm. to die, then all right, I know what I have to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Excellent. And uh, I guess tell me a little bit more about like y- y- when you when you sat down. It sounds like you you assembled the cast first, and then kind of started putting the story together second. Um, so, what were some things that went into like? weaving that kind of uh, complex narrative with that many, many characters and that many players? Well, I knew I wanted to do a train heist. Like that was, I was like, ooh, Deadlands, Western. You know, I want to do mm-hmm. a train heist somewhere in here. And so my first goal was how do I get all of these characters to the same place? Mm-hmm. So that was the, that was the first thing that I had to think of. And my biggest rule as a game master is only plan what the players cannot change. Awesome. So it is, you know, I'm planning, oh, there is going to be a train heading from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. Nothing the players can do will (laughs) railroad that, forgive the pun. Um, (laughs) So that is that is my motto only plan what the players cannot change for instance episode one of deadlands the crossroads Mm -hmm. i knew there was going to be a wendigo and i knew that tallow could kill it those were my notes for episode one okay i give them the problem the bare minimum bones and throw it Mm -hmm. out there and then i needed to plant all of the seeds that would eventually bring everyone to the same place so that is what I did with each one of the groups until we get to, you know, episode hmm, 10, I think. Episode 10 is called The Crossroads, and that is where whoever okay. is remaining meets up. They all meet up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I love that that motto of only plan what the players can't change. It's something that, like, as a GM... It uh, like it seems very obvious, but at the same time, I don't know that anyone had ever put it so succinctly um, in my experience before. So that's that's fantastic. I'm definitely definitely stealing that and, and <laughs> taking that for myself. So well, thank I just, you. I for, hear for all the time. That. Everyone's always like, "Oh, my players railroaded my campaign," and I'm like, first of all, how? Second of all, it's not your yeah, right. campaign. Isn't it usually the other way around that the, yeah. the DM is rearranging things? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not your campaign. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, you're, you're telling it together. Don't, don't right. write a story for them to play, create mm-hmm. a story together basically. So. Yeah, that's uh, I, I think that um, that mindset is absolutely something that I, I have when I sit down at the table or sit down to like, plan out a, a campaign or a, a story that I'm going to tell together is like, I I know some of the big pieces that are out there and that the players are going to interact with eventually um, one way or another, but all the small things I, I let the players kind of figure out along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I was just talking in our, our last episode, like I, I, I like to think that the, the players are the ones in the driver's seat. And then I am, as the, the storyteller, as the narrator, I'm like figuring out the, the what's in the world around them, like where the road is leading. That's my job to fill in those details and where like what they are doing with the car, so to speak, as the, mm-hmm. the action of the story. That's all that's all on that. Exactly. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, let's let's dig into a little bit more. I guess, you know, you said you you kind of prep a, a couple of things um, for that first episode. You knew that what the monster was going to be and you knew kind of the basic solution um, as you were getting later and later into the story. I mean, there's a lot more uh, chaos that can kind of come up. So what are what are some of like those key aspects that you try to plan out? You know, maybe not specifics for 
each individual episode or each individual session, but some ideas, some some key points that you tend to uh, to focus on in your prep? I really like to focus on any information that the players have given me. Like, mm -hmm. sure, I can give you a general, oh, this bad thing is happening here. If you're a good person, you should go stop it. But like, what if I said, hey, you know this location? That person you used to know is there. That mm. makes that personal. And that makes, you know, that player want to go there. They're not just going there because they're playing a TTRPG and they know that's where the story is. <laughs> right. They have something personal that pulls them. So it sounds like you do a lot of, um, is, is this conversations that you have with the players before sitting down at the table of like figuring out their characters or... Um, things that you're you're taking as the story is happening, or maybe a bit of both? Um, a little bit of both. Most of it comes from any conversations beforehand. Like I always say okay. you don't have to get me a backstory. You don't need to get mm -hmm. me a backstory at all if you don't if you don't want to, that's fine. But if you do, right. you're gonna have those breadcrumbs. You're gonna have those, hey, you remember that person you met in your past? Here they are. Mm -hmm. So um I know for um I don't know. Oh gosh, what episode is it? I want to say it's episode eight um, of Deadlands the Crossroads. There are flashback mm -hmm. scenes. So okay. I knew the flashback that I wanted for two of the characters. And one of them we did, we exchanged a few messages and I was like, hey, I'm going to be up front. I kind of want to do flashbacks in the next session. Mm -hmm. So what are some, you know, highlights or or important parts of your character's past that maybe we would visit and they gave me a few of them and I was able to go from there so it was it's a little bit of both but most of the time I try to surprise them mm, nice so it sounds like it's a lot of conversations with the player and figuring out where they came from what their mm -hmm. history was what relationships they have existing in the world and then using those uh relationships against them basically or <laughs> kind, kind of, of tying yeah. them yeah <laughs> tying them to the task at at hand uh using those relationships maybe not against them maybe alongside them right there we go just something for them to personally grab onto and it mo it motivates it motivates you when you have a personal mm -hmm. stake in something yeah it gets them in invested in the story for personal reasons instead of just like oh i'm playing a hero and this is the, mm -hmm. the quest line i yeah. think that's yeah absolutely super important to uh ttrpgs in, in general it's something that a lot of the um like the published campaigns that are out there struggle with you know i, I i'm speaking mostly from having read through like the dungeon and dragons campaigns that get published i'm sure there are others um out there that uh, maybe you or, or other people can, uh, you know, fill me in on that, um, get around this or find, find ways to, uh, not to run into these problems. But oftentimes it feels like the, uh, the campaigns, the games can, anybody could, could, uh, fall into them and mm -hmm. take that exact same path, right? There's nothing very cookie cutter. Them. Exactly. Yeah. So it can be difficult to, um, I've always found it difficult to find ways to uh, invest the players in those stories when I'm like, okay, well, this is, we're in chapter one here. So we're starting in Waterdeep or Baldur's Gate or whatever. And here's what's going on in front of you. And it just kind of like, okay, we're going A to B to C to progress the storyline essentially. And there's not that um, the character investment isn't really there. So it feels a little flat or it can take a little while for the players to really get uh, interested in the story that's that's taking place. Yeah, and I mean, some some players and game masters love just playing the game and crunching the numbers. But personally, mm -hmm. myself, I am a story and character driven storyteller. Like I I I thrive yeah. on that stuff. So absolutely, I, have, I for me, that's where the real fun of the game is is like the collaborative storytelling aspect mm -hmm. and character development I, I really love for my players to have characters with problems and then by the end of the campaign like they have solved those problems and have right. the personal growth to get through their issues that they're dealing with yeah their own personal little story arcs yeah absolutely i think that's what um 
you know that that can invest the players in the game not just the uh, the characters in the story but the players themselves in their characters and in the game that you're playing is if they are trying to like you know work out the issues that their character has solve the problems that their character has yeah and maybe get a little free therapy along the way as well Um, so, yeah, I guess, can you, I, I love, uh, like, you know, specific examples as well. So can you maybe, and feel free to spoil things uh, in Crossroads as well, if if you need to. Our players or our listeners definitely should have uh, checked it out by by this point. And if they haven't, then shame on them. So um, <laughs> maybe some, some examples of, like, you know, when you were weaving the story or you had something set up that, at a, a time that one of the players did something that was unexpected. Um, that kind of threw you for a loop and you had to, to kind of scramble to, to make it happen or figure, figure out how to move forward? Um, so I was not... The structure of The Crossroads was mm-hmm. everyone had their first episodes. So, you know, episode one was group A, episode two is group B, and so forth. And I was not trying to kill any characters on round Mm. one, you know, arc one, act one, whatever you want to call it. I was not actively trying to kill anyone. In fact, I wanted them to live, to move on to act two. I wanted act one to be, here you go, get it, learn who these characters are, get invested, pick your favorites. Mm -hmm. And then in act two, I will rip some out from under you and, (laughs) (laughs) and you will see how much you really love them. Yeah. Um, So I was... I wasn't taking it easy by any means, but we were definitely easing into mm-hmm. the rules as well. We were all pretty mm-hmm. new to the system, so we were we were just taking it a little bit easy, figuring it all out. And it's in episode four, um, Splitting Headache. We're on the last 15 minutes of the episode, and one of the characters named View was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to handcuff myself to the bad guy. And I was mm-hmm. like, yep. oh, okay, all right, sure. And <laughs> I'm like, this could be really bad. And they get in this, you know, they're, they're dragging each other down the street. They fall off the horse. Mm-hmm. They're rolling. Views, arms, breaks because of this handcuff. Like, mm-hmm. it's terrible view can't get up and the bad guy is standing there and i'm like okay what would the bad guy do right now the bad guy would shoot him i i don't yeah. know i don't know how to get away from this right now <laughs> i'm sorry you yeah. made me do this <laughs> mm-hmm. so <laughs> that was one moment where i was like am i really killing a character on act one but in their first episode <laughs> yeah like i'm oh oh no but other than that uh. The Crossroads was very, very minimal planning just because mm-hmm. there were so many characters. I knew a lot of them also, I mean, I didn't know while casting, but are very good role players. And they just mm-hmm. really take over and take the whole scene from everybody. And it's so, not in a bad way at all, but like they just steal the spotlight and made a little less work for me personally. Like, sitting back and being like, yes, we are telling this story together. So there wasn't a lot that I had to like save or, or redo or, or like catch up on. Um, Mm -hmm. It was very much a story we built together. Awesome. Yeah. Always really great when uh, players get themselves into more trouble than you had planned for them. Mm -hmm. You're like, (laughs) well, yeah. No, I remember when I was watching that that episode, and we actually had um, uh, Tyler on a couple of weeks back as well. Um, but uh, yeah, we um, I, I remember watching that and thinking like, okay, yeah, he's this guy's gonna die in his first episode here. This will maybe be the first death that happens because it was such a, a bold choice that uh, that he took to. Um, you know, the, I guess, you know, try and help out the, his, his friends or his companions as well and take some initiative on himself, but uh, ended up putting himself in a, in a really bad spot, um, which I, yeah, I mean, super, you're, you're super fortunate to have players that are uh, willing to take those risks. I think that's maybe one of my favorite uh, 
aspects to see in in a player at a table is like I will put myself my my character in bad situations to tell a really awesome story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and any tips for uh, for GMs for like I guess uh, you know making room for that when when you can uh, you know how to handle that at the table or how to set up scenarios where where players can uh, take those bold moves. Um. Honestly. I wouldn't say I have any tips necessarily because I just feel like the okay. players are going to find a way. If they're going <laughs> if they're the type of player that's going to put themselves in front of danger, they're going to find a way to do it whether you leave a spot for them or not. So I, th- I think my my advice is the opposite of that kind of. It's don't okay. for one don't don't plan for them to do it but also don't make it impossible for them to do it. Mm-hmm. If you're like, oh, if they if they step in front of that specific thing, they're just going to die. Mm-hmm. No. No, don't 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 do that necessarily, but hey, if they step in front of that thing, make sure they know that was a really dire decision and there are consequences to them. Okay. So I mean it sounds like, you know, like you're you're not one to like plan out like a, a trap or a specific event that's going to be the heavy hitting thing, but rather to let people know that these things are dangerous. And if you try to screw around with them, you will find out what they can do. Yeah. And and there was a good, I feel like the whole Deadlands, the Crossroads campaign was mm-hmm. that feeling because there was exit on death. Like it's, it's not just that, oh, my character died. I can listen to the rest of the show. No. Mm-hmm. You knew nothing. Mm-hmm. If your character died, that was the end of the story for you. You heard nothing until it aired. So there was that whole other sense of, hey, I have to be careful, but also this I'm handcuffing myself to the sheriff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it immediately uh, raises the stakes, I think, when you have that um, that threat of you know death and just being completely wiped out from from the story entirely and not knowing what what's going to happen to everybody else um, mm-hmm. kind of puts that it, it raises the stakes yeah I think that's kind of the best way to, to put it um, I, I'm curious and I know that uh, like Glass Chronicle hasn't aired at the time of where uh, us talking is that something that you like a, uh, an idea that you carried over is that uh, is it going to be a, a very lethal story as well um so the Glass Chronicles is filmed. It's finished. It's actually mm-hmm. what I was editing right before we hopped on today. I'm editing the finale Exciting. right now. Yeah. Awesome. So it is finished. I will say there are deaths, but okay. we did not incorporate exit on death in the Glass Chronicles. Mm. Um, with it being, it's shorter. It's only eight episodes and okay. it's like an overall chronicle but there are three different chapters so we have five Mm -hmm. players in chapter one five in chapter two five in chapter three and three separate standalone stories but that all mush together in one chronicle and i i I think it'll be rewarding for the audience and then also for the Mm -hmm. players to watch the other chapters as well so excellent so is that, um, did, I guess, did you have kind of a similar approach to putting that story together as well um, as like similar with cross uh, Crossroads of like, oh, I have this idea for, you know, maybe a train heist and I, I know that that's going to happen. We'll weave everything else to, to get there together. Or was this a little bit more focused on these separate um, like storylines that that all um, interweave? Yeah, this one was a little bit different only because I wanted three standalone stories. I didn't want you okay. to really feel like, oh, I played in chapter one. I can tell it's not over uh, what's happening in the other two chapters. Like chapter one, that was it for them. Mm-hmm. Chapter okay. two, that was it for them. Like they're three individual stories, but my goal before writing them was how do I take my my main umbrella idea and mm-hmm. place that into these three individual stories to where it is one large chronicle for the audience. So that was my goal with that one. And once I once I had A, B, and C, it was really easy. 
to let the, the yeah. characters kind of fill that in. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So um, tell me a little bit about what went into, like, what, was it more of the, um, like you had mentioned before, just like kind of, I know what the problem is and I know like a baseline of solution for this where were there because call of cthulhu is very much like an like it's an investigation game mm-hmm. like you're trying to find or solve the mystery essentially is like the uh, the way that the game generally operates so were you you know planning out like the uh clues that they would find along the way or you know uh, situations they would find themselves in as they were unraveling the mystery like what 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 kind of went into the uh the step-by-step prep, I guess, is my question. Yeah. Uh, So when this comes out, the Glass Chronicles will be done airing at that point. (laughs) So here's my spoiler warning. Like, hello, anyone who has (laughs) who has not watched the Glass Chronicles, if you want to maybe go do that real quick. Um, So the Glass Chronicles, I took the main issue, which are the creatures seen throughout the glass chronicles. And then I umbrellaed it down and I knew for each chapter, I wanted a different setting. I wanted, I wanted a like creepy house setting, like a, you know, haunted mansion sort of thing Mm -hmm. going on. I wanted a ship setting. I wanted to be out at sea and I wanted a cave setting. So I took these three settings, those are your three chapters, and I let the umbrella kind of rain down into each of them. And But yeah, that, is, that was the process of the Glass Chronicles. Excellent. Um, so I, I imagine, you know, over the course of um, filming, you know, two separate uh, events like this and now going into your third, you've probably learned a lot just from like reviewing your own sessions and and things like that. Anything that you have, um, you know, in the process of editing any, um, any realizations that you've had, like after the fact, um, you know, maybe things that you have carried then into uh, further, further sessions. Um, Honestly, I think that recording your sessions like even if you do not want to post them anywhere, I, I, mm-hmm. as a GM or a player, even I think you should record your sessions because there's something I like to call um, a GM brain. And <laughs> as you are, as you're running the game, you are hearing and processing what you need to hear and process to continue running the game. Hmm. You don't fully appreciate some of the things that are said because maybe something is said and you're thinking of how you're going to introduce the next scene like in that in that moment Mm -hmm. that something is said and that was such a good line that man I could really build off that so I know a lot of people take notes and that works for them but honestly I would recommend recording your sessions because there is so much that I find when I'm editing that I'm like oh that was good that was really, mm. really good. Or even when you're kind of reflecting on yourself and what you are doing. I know nobody likes listening to themselves. Nobody likes watching themselves, but... It's tough, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the amount of times I say, okay, so, is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you notice it. So after after hearing myself say it 500 times, I'm becoming more aware that I say it so much and I begin mm-hmm. to say it less. So stuff like that, I think, I think it'll really help if it, if it bothers you, it's, you're more likely to stop it. Interesting. Yeah. I've, uh, you know, I've played a couple of, uh, recorded, uh, games, mostly more as a player, but a couple of times as a GM as well. Um, and obviously, you know, I run the podcast and have to listen to myself as well, but definitely agree that, you know, the, um, the more that you listen to yourself, the more familiar you become with ways that you say things and filler words or transitions that you make like you're, you're okay. So um, as an example, but 
yeah, certainly some some great wisdom there to record your sessions and, and listen back and, and learn from yourself, but also, you know, have some time to learn from the players or catch things that you had missed in the midst of those um, conversations as well. Yeah, certainly some some good advice there. I might have to, I'll see if my, my party would be okay with that. Might have to start recording my sessions a little bit as well. Um, so I'm sure there's tons of things that, you know, I, I've missed myself or implications that have been made that I didn't realize were being made at the time. We all know that players really like to read into things that you say beyond what you mean. So, um, yeah, I'm sure I could definitely benefit from uh, from going back and, and reviewing uh, for sure. Um, yeah, so I, I guess uh, when it when it comes to like you, you know your your prep here, it sounds like it's uh, it's pretty um, pretty light, which is great. Uh, I, that was something that I, I had talked about previously as well. Is you know low prep is is so much easier, I think, for for me as a GM, uh, less work obviously, but less work that I ultimately end up throwing away because the players have decided to go and do something else. Um, I guess, you know, it seems like you were pretty, um, pretty open, pretty flexible when it came to Deadlands Crossroads. Do you ha- had you had any experience like before uh, Deadlands Crossroads of, of instances where you had maybe tried to set up something and players just kind of barreled through or, or took a, a left when you wanted them to go right and threw off your, your plans entirely? Um, Before Deadlands, I had... I had a couple different 5e one shots that Mm -hmm. I recorded and everything, but that's really been my prep style for most of my storytelling experience is just either putting it together as it's going or just prepping as little as possible. Like my Mm -hmm. prep comes with knowing the world and the NPCs in it. And again, just the stuff that the players cannot change. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's just how I, if I go in with that knowledge, then I'm, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Um, Yeah. Very, very fortunate that that's been your, your, uh, your modus operandi the the whole time as your uh, storytelling. I I certainly, I mean, I've been, been playing for like 10 plus years or so. And yeah, it's definitely been an evolution for me to want to get to that, that point. Um, And certainly took a lot of uh, learning and trying and and failing and figuring out what did work for me. any, uh, I guess, any any tips for people who are maybe trying to get into GMing about you know what what they can do to uh, to get themselves to a place where you know they're they're able to um, have low prep and kind of you know do things on the fly and and figure it out from there. Something that I feel like isn't recommended enough. I actually feel like it is frowned upon sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I highly recommend watching other game masters. Mm. Oh yeah. I even even you know the super popular ones. I recommend watching other game masters because if you look at you know Matt Mercer, Brennan Lee Mulligan, and then you go over to um, smaller shows like oh let's see. Even if we're hopping into Mayday Roleplay, which is a really mm-hmm. good podcast, if you have not if you have not listened to it, listen to Mayday Roleplay. I'm telling you, um, different styles fit with different people and different systems. Some person's mm-hmm. GM style is going to fit Dungeons and Dragons a lot better than it's going to fit Delta Green or Call of Cthulhu. So mm-hmm. maybe your game master styles will vary depending on what you're running but i just i really recommend listening to other game masters and seeing how they run their games because you could look at something and be like oh yeah that's really cool i I like that i'm gonna try to do it like that Mm -hmm. but if you see all the different ways to do it you're you kind of come to an understanding of oh i don't have to do it one way i can do it any way that that fits me or the system yeah, definitely. And and we're certainly in a 
uh, a kind of golden age of options, so to speak, with tabletop role-playing games that are, are out there to be viewed or or listened to. Um, and just the uh, the amount of options that you have for hearing other, other game masters, other storytellers out there is... Um, mind-boggling really <laughs> i would never would have thought you know 10 plus years ago when i started uh gming that uh, we'd be in a world where oh yeah i can just like pull up my phone and have an option of 30 different people mm-hmm. to uh to listen to right away kind of had to to figure it out as i went but um yeah i definitely agree that uh watching other gms other storytellers is super influential um just to kind of help you get out of your own head as well, right? Like I, I uh, when I first saw Critical Role, I was floored by Matt Mercer as uh, as a GM, as I think you know a lot of people are, mm-hmm. and rightly so. He's an incredible storyteller. You know, not just a really great like voice actor, but right. the uh, the stories that he he weaves with his his players as well. Um, and then you know switching over to watch uh, Chris Perkins. Uh, in his game and kind of seeing the difference between the two and going, oh, okay, so Matt Mercer does things this way and Chris does things this way. And then getting into all kinds of other options for podcasts that are out there yeah, um, really had a huge, huge influence on on me as well as like figuring out my own style almost. So yeah, and it, it just it's kind of circling back to what you said, like it's, it's still kind of resonating around just so simply put of only plan what the players can't change. Like, I love that so much. I'm going to like go and get that tattoo <laughs> or something. It's, it's phenomenal. Was that, I'm curious, was that something that you came up with yourself? Was that advice that someone else gave to you or where, where did that, that come from? Yeah, I, I actually came up with that fairly recently because a few people had asked me, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to run a game for my first time. What is your, like, top tier advice like if you had to give Mm. me one one (laughs) form of advice what would it be and i'm like plan less that's always my advice (laughs) only plan what the players cannot change and you will be fine because the moment that you plan something and the players completely rip that out from under you you're going to panic and you don't want to panic so yeah, I think many, myself included, many GMs have been in that situation of like, oh, the, they did something unexpected and uh, crap, now what do I do? Like, uh, <laughs> now, where's the story supposed to go from here? Can that sometimes happen during combat? Absolutely. Combat is unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You could be like, ah, here's this big bad that they killed in a round. Okay. Mm, um, yep. Well, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> and now his brother's coming in and he's got the exact same stat block. And I Guess was what? Totally There's five more. This the whole time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh. Yeah, players are definitely no- uh, notorious for just absolutely obliterating plans. So I think that's some some incredible advice. Um, touch on um, touch on a few points here. Uh, some some words of wisdom so far. Any any other advice for new GMs out there that might be listening in? My advice, other than everything I have already thrown at you, is to try many systems try something other than the Mm -hmm. system that got you into ttrpgs whatever that may be it may be call of cthulhu it may be dungeons and dragons but try another one and that first one that you try after your main might be kind of hard to learn because your brain is so stuck in that one system but once Mm. you learn that you are open to learning so many different systems there are so many systems out there and they're all fun they're all great so try them just just try them (laughs) awesome yeah i think there's a there's a lot to learn from the other games that are out there and i think also like you know if you you know started off with a game like DD or call of cthulhu and you're really enjoying it but you try a new system and get uh, some some ideas about like how other games might work and some things that are really neat and work really well. You can always like chop those rules up, right, and port them into your your home game. 
Exactly. Know, maybe you have a you have a game that you want to uh, to continue on. You've got a long running campaign, but you need to pause for whatever reason, or your story is maybe uh, not quite coming together just yet. So you need to to hold off and figure that out. You know, pause, play some other games, figure out what you like about those games, and then bring them back into that that long running game that you have. Or um, you know, maybe you end up switching games. You're like, oh, well, you know, D&D was fun, but uh, Monster of the Week is really like my jam right now. So let's let's keep moving forward in that <laughs> that direction. We can we can leave D&D behind for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, just just an example for me, I thought I hated combat. I thought oh, I absolutely okay. hated combat because mm-hmm. I I found myself getting very bored in Dungeons and Dragons combat. I, I running it. I'm like, ah, I don't. Mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't run it well, and it just lasted so long. And I feel like I wasn't doing a good job. You know, all of the all of the dungeon master uh, thoughts that go through your head while you're running games. You're like, I suck. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, and I I just thought maybe I just don't like combat. Maybe combat's really mm-hmm. not my thing. And then I played, I started running Deadlands and mm. the combat system is very different in Deadlands. You, you draw cards from a deck of cards and, mm-hmm. you know, highest face goes first. And then after that round, you shuffle the cards and you draw again. So combat is in a different order every round and it's very refreshing. Mm, okay. And so that is something that like you could easily just take and incorporate into D and D if you wanted to not the, not the um, cards necessarily, but you could mm. be like, okay, yeah. we're rolling new initiative every round because that makes mm-hmm. it exciting. So playing other systems, you absolutely can get other ideas that makes your own personal game better for you. Awesome. Uh, any other um, systems that you have gotten into that like really hit home something that you had struggled with previously in in other games um maybe not struggled with but i really love the uh luck mechanic in call of cthulhu and that's something Mm -hmm. that's something that i really would just like to put in all of my games i love luck i think it's super (laughs) cool (laughs) uh yeah it's it's wonderful for sure. Similarly, I've been, I mentioned Monster of the Week earlier. I've been reading through the uh, the handbook and kind of preparing to uh, play in, in a game in the near future tentatively. Um, but they have a really neat luck mechanic as, as well in, in Monster of the Week. And I'm like, how can I port this into my home game? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, you know, you can spend a luck point and just make something an automatic success. Um, or you can heal um yourself a little bit as well as a player oh nice Um, but yeah but you only have so many luck points to spend you have i i I think you have 10 i would have to look at the book and listeners can correct me if they want but um yeah you only have a set amount of luck and once you've spent all of that luck there is no replenishing it at all so your luck runs out and the the hint the players or the the core rule book really encourages the uh, the storyteller to like go harder against the people that have used up all of them. <laughs> so if you've spent all of that to make, you know, roll successes or to heal wounds and stuff and you're out of luck, well, you're not just out of luck. You are like shit out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to get the crap kicked out of you in some yeah. way. And it is really the storyteller's prerogative to do exactly that. That's awesome. Um, it's like instant karma, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And there are a couple of playbooks where, like, it incur, it, you know, as you're spending luck points, it's like, oh, fate is looking at you specifically now and coming after you because you messed with fate to spend that luck point. So, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty fun. And I never would have had the thought to use that in my long running Eberron game if I hadn't read through the, the the book. I mean, even like listening to podcasts that play through Monsters of the Week, I'm like, okay, well, I know that luck is a thing, but uh, that little extra bit of like, oh, you only have so much, and once you use it, you're screwed, <laughs> um, was yeah. really inspiring, for sure. 
Yeah, luck is so cool. And it's cool to see how different luck is used in different systems too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, speaking of uh, like Cyberpunk Red has a really great luck mechanic where you have X amount of luck to spend every single session and you can just put extra points onto your rolls and potentially make them successes. And then you get get all those points back at the, the start of the next session. Yeah, in a in a um, way so that's kind of like, kind of like the bennies in Savage Worlds. Like you, you know, mm-hmm. you don't really have mm-hmm. luck in Savage Worlds, but you can use those bennies and they restart at the beginning of each session and stuff like that. So it's just cool. It's just it's it's I guess in a way kind of like inspiration die in D anD D as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I f- I feel like with Dungeons and Dragons you have those classes that give inspiration as Mm -hmm. well so me personally that's something i really struggled with as a game master starting with dungeons dragons was i didn't realize i could hand out inspiration because i'm like oh mm -hmm, well the classes mm -hmm. the classes can do it like they can do it why why do i do it but that is something that i definitely wish i did more especially now knowing other systems for sure yeah i think um one technique that I've used a lot as well is like letting the players give each other inspiration, basically like encouraging role play and encouraging acknowledging the good role play amongst the the, the party um, so that one, you know, the cleric will say, oh, well, whatever the barbarian did, that was badass and very much playing to their characters. So I think they should they deserve inspiration for that. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Give them inspiration. The, the more that you can. Uh, encourage players to like take those risks or do things that would be you know uh, more focused on their character or how that person would um, you know interact with the world or with other NPCs and like praise them for doing so basically and that's just going to fuel their fires to do that more the next time um, it's the same reason that I stopped using uh experience points i i do milestone leveling with my game mm-hmm. because you know if if you're using experience points players are just kind of like chasing xp and they're like okay how do i get more and more experience so that i can get i can level up and i can get stronger and stronger yeah and milestone just kind of erases that problem um in a way that's really nice and works really well for for all of the players i've i've worked with so far anyway so it's uh Again, we get back around to like we're focusing on the story that we're telling together mm-hmm. as as a group, um, not just oh hey we're using the mechanics of this game to you know power game or whatever, which is is fine you know power gaming is 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 what it is. But um, for me, storytelling is just so much more fun. So. Same, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I guess uh, any uh, any uh, examples of um, mechanics specifically. I know we talked about luck. Anything else that you've maybe pulled from other games that you're you're really fond of that you want to now go and and use in some other means? Um, I not 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 particularly. I just really found luck very fascinating and just the alternating or constantly changing initiative rounds was just super mm-hmm. refreshing for me. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's it. I'm still, I'm still like baby stepping my way through learning new systems. I have, I have mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons. I've run for quite a few years and I just, you know, ran Call of Cthulhu, savage worlds deadlands i'm i'm learning fate right now i um i've started running delta green like just all of these systems that i'm just gradually like bleeding into um. <laughs> that's how it goes for sure yeah yeah and i like just i recommend earlier, it you, you you do the first new system and it just opens opens the floodgates into a, mm-hmm. a world of possibilities out there yeah for sure yeah Excellent. Um, yeah, I guess uh, any uh, anything, any advice that you would want to give to a, a listener, a GM who's getting ready to, to run that we, um, we haven't touched on so far? Um, or any parting words of wisdom kind of summarizing what we've talked about? I, I mean, honestly, I think I would just repeat only plan 
what the players cannot change. <laughs> I think that is the the best advice I've ever given in my life. I I have a nickname with my players. They they call me Mama Bird because they're like, Mama "Listen, okay. you're so you like you take us and you 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 make sure that we're okay. You know, it's a safe table. We feel comfortable even though typically I'm running horror scenarios, like they know mm. that the table itself is safe." So they're like, you make us feel safe, and then you just kick us out of the nest when we least expect it. <laughs> <laughs> so just make sure everyone is at the table to do the same thing. If you are at the table to tell a story, make sure that's what your players are wanting to do. Because if your player wants to you know, go kill f- five dragons in a week, and that's not really what you're looking to do, they're probably not going to have a lot of fun. If they're there for the combat mm-hmm. and you're there for the, you know, story-heavy stuff, maybe just communication. Communication is mm-hmm. key. Um, just make sure your table is comfortable and you'll all have a great time. Awesome. Well, yeah, some really great uh, wisdom there. Uh, Carrie, thank you so much for... Uh, coming on and and sharing this wisdom. I definitely have learned a lot from our conversation just with that (laughs) one key piece of advice Um, and and other things as well. I don't want to diminish everything else that you've said, but man, that really stands out as like a pinnacle in my brain now. So thank you for sharing that. Um, But uh, yeah, I I do want to give you a, a chance to let our listeners know, you know, how to find out about you and how to uh, find the uh, the shows that you've you put out there. So I'm going to shut up for a second. But yeah, how, how can our, our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me at Carrie Smith 2012 on Twitter and YouTube. And that's K-E-R-R-I Smith 2012. Um, that is my Twitter handle and my YouTube channel. So you'll be able to find both of those things there. I am very active on Twitter. My my messages, my inbox is always open. You can message me anytime. Um, I also do commissioned games. If you're looking for a game master, or maybe you know you want to buy a game for your game master, uh, let you let your forever GM play. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you can find Deadlands: The Crossroads, 14 episode Exit on Death, 27 player series on youtube and you can also find call of cthulhu the glass chronicles on youtube eight episodes three chapters 15 players it's a good terrible horrible uh terrifying time awesome well again carrie thank you so much for for joining us today it's been uh, great chatting with you here and uh yeah listeners definitely go and uh check out carrie and everything she's she's done and um if you have found you know what we've said today useful uh, give her a shout. Give us a shout by leaving uh, leaving comments, ratings, reviews, uh, whatever you can, wherever you get your podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at 19HitsTheDragon. Um, and uh, yeah, the best way you can help the show out is, of course, to go out and tell 19 of your closest friends. Uh, thanks again to Carrie. Thank you, all of our listeners, for joining us, joining us uh, today. Um, everybody, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And we'll see you all next time when 19 hits the dragon. Bye-bye.